eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Fitz. And if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. I've been blessed in this career to become acquainted with some really good people, either as a journalistic colleague or as people I'm assigned to cover. But Dana Dimmel goes way back to my beginnings in this profession. Around 1984, my friend David Sabota became the editor of the Kansas State Collegian, the student newspaper, and he asked me to become the paper's assistant sports editor. I'll never forget my response at the time. I don't want to turn my love of sports into my profession. And here I am. During the 1984-85 football seasons, Dana Dimmel was a junior college offensive lineman who played on coach Jim Dickey's final two football teams at K-State. And I covered those teams, getting to know Dana and others from that time period. Dimmel transitioned into coaching, and I eventually circled back and began covering Kansas State football on a full-time basis in 1995. And for two seasons, I covered K-State football with Dimmel serving as the offensive coordinator. Then at age 34, Dimmel became the head coach at Wyoming in 1997, going 22-13 in three seasons before taking on the task of rebuilding the then-downtrodden Houston program in 2000. Three seasons into that project, Dimmel went 5-7, and seven, but a change of leadership in the athletic department led to his unexpected firing right as the program was building momentum. He eventually ended up on Mike Stoops' staff at Arizona and returned to K-State when Bill Snyder came out of retirement in 2009, again serving as offensive coordinator. Then in 2018, he took over a UTEP program in complete disarray, and after a pair of one-win seasons, he's hopeful of seeing progress this season. Dana and I go way back, and we've remained friends, often enjoying drinks together with our wives each summer at the Country Stampede Music Festival in Manhattan. So let's do this and call my buddy, Coach Dana Dimmel in El Paso. Fitz. Hey, Coach. How are you doing? I'm good. How's it going? That's good. Fine. It's fine. Been raining like crazy up here. It's Memorial Day weekend. It always rains in Kansas. Yeah. You know, um, 
one thing I remember is that May 1st weekend is always the coldest weekend of the whole spring. <laughs> no, that was the case. I always remember that to be the case. So it's 84 and sunny here today. Isn't that pretty I, typical, though, of El Paso? It's something and sunny? Uh, has been unbelievable. We did get a few really hot days in the upper 90s, uh, but for the most part. and then But the thing about the desert fits is that the mornings are super cool. And then the evenings get cool, too. So it's like even though the days get pretty yeah. warm, it's really comfortable in the mornings and the, and the afternoons or late afternoons, early evenings. So it's been, nice. it's been pretty good. How you, how you been doing, man? I'm fine. I'm kind of locked down a little bit. That's why we started this little podcast. Yeah. I'm just uh, mostly at home. I think I've gone out seven or eight times total, left my property in the last two and a half months. Who goes to the grocery store? Becky takes care of it, so I guess if she goes and runs into the wrong person and gets it, I'll get it that way. But um, yeah, it's just kind of hard to avoid it. If it's, it's going to find you, it's going to find you, even if you're at home, I'm afraid. But I'm being as cautious as we can. We're, we're opting not to do full deliveries. And she's also working from home because she works up at Metal Arc Retirement Community. Yeah. So. They, how she work? How, what's she doing? She doing all of her? Yeah, yeah. They're she's a director of development, so she's their fundraiser. But they got her shifted over. She's doing a lot of contact calling residents, and you know, doing her usual work. But they have a team of people that are calling all the residents, all the people um, that might be on their waiting list, just checking in on them once a week. So it's pretty rewarding for her to touch base with everyone. But yeah, it's uh, it's been weird, and Manhattan's weird because. Kids were on spring break and never came back, so we're on a perpetual spring break here. Oh um, wow! So but, they never came back at all from spring break. No, yeah. No. So it's yeah. uh, it's been strange, been very strange. Even though I haven't been out to enjoy it, everyone says the town is just really unlike anything they've seen in a long, long time. Seems like it's a it's happened. Things are starting to reopen. Yeah. In Kansas, uh, and weren't quite as locked down though as they are in Texas. Kind of from what I've been able to gather. Um, there have been a lot more liberties there to do some things than there has been here. You know, they really shut things down here. They shut all the parks down. They shut down. You know, we couldn't do anything with restaurants except for they started doing the carry out things. But it just seems like been a little bit more open up there. And then what's going on now? What Because you guys are starting to loosen the reins a little bit up there in Kansas, aren't yeah. you, with things? Yeah, you can yeah. do 50% capacity at restaurants. Of course, I'm not anywhere near ready yeah. to do that. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you were the same way. You were in Manhattan a long time. You make a lot of friends in that industry in Manhattan, Kansas, because it's a big part of local business yeah. industry. And it's uh, it's been really tough on them. Some of them have done really well with uh, carry out and others have struggled with it. Others are just taking prolonged vacations. I hope they all get back up and running. You know, we've lost some, some places here in town that um, have been staples and other places that were trying to get started up just didn't make it over the hump because it hit them the wrong time. Yeah. But, What's going on in Aggieville? What's new down there? Well, um, as far as I know, we really haven't lost anyone down there. I mean, since you've departed, we've lost both Celtic Star and Wahoo. So that kind of sucks. Um, oh, that sucks. Yeah. 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 They were both great places. Uh, you know, the, we've got so much of Aggieville uh, is student driven bars. Well, the students aren't here. So uh, even if they were open, they wouldn't be doing great business. But right. uh, graduation weekend, I went down to Taco Lucha to pick up some food. And 
there was not a parking spot to be found and people were all over the place. I'm like, well, okay. I guess people are feeling pretty good about things. <laughs> For graduation. So what happened? Tell me what, the, what was the graduation? There, what there was no graduation, but people came back yeah. to Manhattan to take photos and see friends. And I got a video from a, a buddy of mine, a Snapchat video in the evening. And I mean, people were just kind of wandering the streets and you could tell they've been having a good time. Good for them. Hopefully they did it wisely. Unlike some of the videos we're seeing of the mass gatherings over Memorial Day, which is just insane to me. But um, yeah. to, to each their own, as long as they don't infect someone else, good luck with that. So I don't know. What about Tuttle? What What's going on down there? People I are still going out. I have no idea. Lake. You know, uh, yeah. we lost our, our love of our life, Country Stampede, last summer. It, yeah. uh, because of rain, it moved to Topeka and was never coming back. Well, they already canceled this year's event um, because yeah. of all this. But, you know, late June, I don't think we're going to be ready for that kind of event. But, man, I miss that. That was – we had the best time <laughs> at that darn thing, just wandering around in between oh. acts. It was, it was a great time. We, you know, one story that Julie and I were telling about Tunnel is that when we first came back to Manhattan, we brought our motor home. And so we had not bought a house yet when we came back from Arizona. So we had the motorhome parked at uh, Tuttle uh, Park. You know, we were staying there until we found a home. And um, so one night late, the stampede was going on. And we went over, and it was dark. And uh, there was a trash can that was where all, where right before you had one of the checkpoints, there was a huge trash can. And so all the, Young kids had to throw their alcohol into right. the trash can because they couldn't get past the checkpoint to go into the, to the concert. So you'd see everybody throw their beer in there, and then all of a sudden people would start walking behind the trash can. It was on a slope, Fitz, and so you'd walk behind the trash can, and we just pulled up. It was her and I and Winston, and we laughed for probably an hour straight because they'd come smoking through there, and they'd hit that side hill that had all the beer slop <laughs> on it. And, boy, they would wipe out and go right down the hill, just covered in all the beer, you know, mud, beer, and then get right back up and go. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, somebody would come right down the slippery slope, bam, right uh, to the ground. It was the most hilarious. Country stampede. Uh, yeah, Stampede. Did you go to the one in Topeka or not? No, no. And uh, we were going to go down to Council Grove because it's their musical event is that same weekend. And a buddy of mine's running that now. And they had a couple of really good acts. Uh, but uh, that Saturday night, we had one incredible storm. So it wiped out Jason Aldean uh, in Topeka wow. and it wiped out a Parker McCollum uh, Texas guy down in Council Grove, so we didn't go anywhere that weekend, and and uh, I was I was out trimming trees, so I'm holding these big trimmers in my hand, and the storm comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden a lightning bolt hits, and I'm like, okay, I'm putting these down, I'm going in, <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah. I know that's one thing I'm freaked out about now too is the lightning and stuff because you never think it's going to happen to you, but that's the that's the biggest mistake you can make. With that. Oh. You guys. You, you, we don't get any of that here, though. We don't get any storms, any electricity in the sky. You know, you just get monsoon season in late August. But that's the only time you'll ever get any electricity in the sky or anything yeah. like that because it's just not that, just that, not that stormy here. Yeah. So it's been a little bit of a no tornadoes. You know what I mean? Not a tornado. That's season. a bonus. That, that's coming up now. Has there been any? 
threats there or that or anything not, going on? Not yet in, in our area. It's uh, been pretty yeah. calm so far. It's been really nice weather until this weekend. And and really, these, it rained pretty hard one night. But the last few days, it's just been a nice, steady rain that um, once in a while it'll rain hard. But it's been really good. It's good. Uh, you know, Becky and I like to garden and do a lot of stuff out in the yard. So. Yeah. We have happy plants, you know, and, and second to your wife, you need to have happy plants. That's right. No doubt. Because if your plants aren't happy, then your wife's not happy. It's all a big circle, Dana. You know that. It is. You know, you know, one person I know that's probably done really well through the COVID financially, business-wise, is Kevin at the fridge. I'm sure he's oh. killing it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, I love that guy. I mean, he... He has done so well with his business, and he set up, uh, he got an app up and running almost immediately. And Kansas, now, I hope you're sitting down, Kansas relaxed liquor laws. So you don't have to go into the liquor store. You, they can bring it out to your car. Um, and, and you ready for this? If you wanted to order a bunch of margaritas from Taco Lucha or a bunch of tarantulas from Annie Mae's or whatever your drink is, they can put it in a sealed thing and sell it to you. It's wow. it, it's crazy. And yeah. I, now I'm like, why would you change it back? Why can't we do this all the time? It was fine during a pandemic, but not fine during the rest of the time. But, yeah, I, I did it the other day. I got on the app, ordered everything I wanted, paid with a credit card. They notify you when it's ready for pickup. You pull in a stall right there as you pull into the parking lot. And they bring it out, throw it in your car, and you leave. It's great. Wow. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and it's just packed. We got a local establishment here right down the street that's Happy's Farm, and it's finally going to open up out here on the Upper Valley where we live in El Paso, and they're going to open it back up on Friday. So I saw one of our local orthopedic surgeons when I was on my walk the other day, so we're going to meet him Friday night for the first time since all this has happened. Just go have a beer somewhere, you know, just haven't been able to do that, you know. Yeah, it's a social part, you know. it's, It's tough not seeing other people. Uh, yeah. We've got great neighbors. We sit around the fire pit six feet apart and do that. And, you know, I got to be pretty careful. So we are and uh, yeah. we're, we're making it. It's fine. This is part of it for me is just calling up friends. And, and brother, we go way back. I mean, that's what I always tell people. Uh, you know, it's like, well, I knew Dana in college. I mean, he was friends yeah. with Rocky <laughs> Dvorak. They're offensive linemen. I was yeah. Rocky and I are fraternity brothers and we just kind of knew each yeah. other. And, and then you just transitioned right into coaching and. And uh, this has been that way, yeah. You were working at the school newspaper, right, yeah. Fitz? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's when we first met each other. That was, um, I hate to admit it, but that was um, 19, probably, hmm. uh, what would that be, 35 years ago, 35, yeah. 36 years ago. Yeah. Crazy. I, I was in college 82 to 86, so. Yeah, that's when I was, I was at, I was at K-State 84, 85, 86. Yep. So it was, that's when we first uh, met. That's funny. A long, long time ago. It's been, been a lot of years. They go they go way too fast. You know? It does. I, I'm not sure when I became the, the oldest guy covering the beat, but I think I am now. Isn't that funny? You know, I always remember being the young coach. You know what I yeah. mean? That's, a, that's what's crazy. You don't ever remember making that transition. It just it seems to happen. You're always a young, young coach. And then, boom, before you know it, you're an older seasoned veteran. You know, you got to make – you got to term it right. Yeah. A seasoned vet doing what we're doing. Coach, you getting close to football stuff? So, we are working on getting our players back and going. Yeah. Right? And um, 
you know, we obviously have got clearance from the NCAA to start bringing guys in, but um, we haven't got clearance from the school yet. Uh, you know, June 1st is obviously when teams can start bringing their players back in from a national perspective. And the detail of what we have organized for the players is, is really neat. Uh, and just good football talk. It's, it's, so we're going to bring 23 guys into a workout at a time. They're going to come in. They will not enter the building. They'll go to our gates of our, of, uh, of the sun bowl. They'll get their temperature taken. They'll get their cleats handed to them. They'll drop off their backpack with any of the gear that they have. They'll have fresh clothing, clothing that will be given to them. They'll get two to start off with two fresh workout uh, loops. They'll come in, they'll get the temperature. Once their temperature's cleared, uh, not running a fever, they will get a wristband around their wrist, which says they're cleared for the day to be in the, to be working out. They'll go straight from that area to our uh, uh, practice field to do the uh, running and uh, conditioning part of their workout. Then they'll go straight from the conditioning up to the weight room. They'll get their weight workout. We're going to take them, walk them directly down to the weight room, have 23 spots in the locker room spread out with social distancing amongst our locker room. They'll go there, change out of their gear, throw their loop in the laundry bin, take a shower, put on the fresh loop that they have, and and uh, be out of the building within 15 minutes. And in the meanwhile, another group has come in through the front entry and gone through the process. So that's how detailed. That's uh, nice. Yeah, you know, just hearing things from a football perspective, you know, from a inside the inside the ropes perspective yeah. of how you're talking about handling this social distancing stuff. It's so crazy. when the first group leads the field and goes to the weight room, does another group come onto the field at that point? Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how close we have to piggyback yeah. them. You know, we haven't talked exactly about what, and that's going to be based on um, how many guys we bring back in the first cycle. You know, uh, how many how many guys uh, we actually, if we try to go ahead and go go to it with the full, you know, 100, 120 man roster, depending if we bring the freshmen in. You know, we try to go with the, just the 100 returners without the new group, or we just go with maybe 60 at first to kind of get the kinks worked out, you know, and that'll kind of help us to figure out how we're going to disperse them time-wise, you know what I mean, with what we do. Puts a lot so, of strain on your managers, trainers, strength and conditioning. Absolutely. Um, man, it's 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 a lot there. Your managers right. better be damn good because they got to have everything ready. If that breaks down, yeah. you're in trouble from the start. And the trainers, you know, the yeah. trainers got to be on top of it. And now you got to start assigning coaches to monitor the locker room to make sure the guys aren't just lounging in there to socialize with each other. They got to get in and get out. You got to have guys at doors to make sure people aren't just coming into your building randomly, you know, uh, into different entrances, you know, because we have multiple entrances to our facility uh, that are, you know, unlike some, you know, like the uh, veneer. Uh, complex has just one really really only has one entrance you know that you can get in uh everything else is secure at the sumbull there's multiple you know there's three to four entrances so we have to really be careful about that as well so there's a lot that goes into it it's kind of crazy well when it comes to a background in secure things working for bill snyder for years you're you're pretty well trained in that uh you could probably he could probably not let the virus in the building. That's how secure <laughs> Coach Snyder was. 
He would somehow stop the virus at the door. It was amazing. Yeah, he'll say, listen, virus, you can't, you're not welcome here. <laughs> you're not welcome here. It's not on, it's not yeah. on my itinerary from the day that uh, you're not on the pass list uh, to be here. Did you, uh, uh, did yeah. you get in spring football? We got in six. We got in six workouts, well, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's better than most. Yeah, yeah, better than most. We had a conversation on our head coaches meeting the other day. You know, we're meeting every week as head coaches in Conference USA. About uh, one of the coaches was saying, "Well, listen, this university got in nine practices, and we didn't get in any. And so we want once we get back going, we want to make sure we get in nine more practices than the other school gets in." And, we're all going, listen, all we want to do is get working again. We don't care about who's got more prizes. Let's yeah. all get as many, as many as we can get, Fitz, to get ready. You know, that's the that's the thing. Now we're putting together a six-week plan. We're putting together a four-week plan uh, on uh, what we'll do if we only have the guys for four weeks, what we'll do if we only have them for six. Um, and uh, we might even go back to two-a-days. And so another funny thing is that uh, – you know, some of these coaches in our league, there's a young coach that's only like 34, 35. He doesn't even know what two-a-days are. He's like, hey, guys. He's like, can you guys show me what a two-a-day looks like? <laughs> so I said, like, I remember three-a-days. We had three-a-days at, at times. No, oh, my God. Bill Snyder, if you didn't make a specific rule about it, he was going to go ahead and do it. And, yeah, yeah. I remember the, hearing about three-a-days. I'm like, oh, my God, that's insane. It's insane. Or the Wildcat, or the Wildcat Day is the most historic day. There's never – we never get back together as coaches or when we visit with the players. You know, I've been having some Zoom meetings with some of the ex-players and ex-coaches that were there on the original, you know, staff with Coach and played for Coach's original teams. And, and uh None of us will ever – conversation will never go by that we don't talk about the Wildcat Day and, the, you know, how long of the day that actually was when there was no constraints on the time that you could put in. But it was a pretty valuable day. It was amazing all the work that you could get in. We touched on everything you could ever think of during a football season uh, that you'd never get time to get to. We got to on that Wildcat Day. It was pretty uh, – Pretty amazing. How does your perspective change now that, you know, you've been a coach on and off, a head coach on and off for a while, but the perspective of that kind of day has to be so different as a player and as a coach because as a player, it just has to be awful. But as a coach, you're like, look at all we're getting done here. It's oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see why a coach would want to do it. And, um, yeah, I have a different perspective because obviously – I was a head coach at 34 yep. coming from coach's staff. And then again, a head coach after, you know, at Houston after that. And then a long time between becoming a head coach again. And so the way I look at things now is a lot different than the way I looked at things when I was 34, but you know, and all of coaches technique styles and things that he's done are revolutionary and so well-respected in the business. But it's funny, Fitz, when you're doing it now compared to when you did it when you're 34, I, some of the things now I see from a different perspective than I did as a head coach at 34. I see them more from coach's perspective and why right. he did some of those things. You know, it's funny. It's all those years of, of with him were good, valuable, valuable time for you. You know, just talking football, it's just good stuff. He's so many things you can learn from the man, but it's amazing. You can't go anywhere in Texas that they don't want to stop you and say, Hey, listen, tell me about Bill Snyder and tell me <laughs> what it was like to work for him. You know, so that's good for everybody to, 
to know how well reviewed he is nationally by by everybody in this business. You know, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool I, stuff. But, I just shared with Jamie Mendez a theory about him that he is the greatest coach of coaches. Um, the way he would bring along coaches from young to getting them ready to be their own head coaches and put their own stamp on how he did things. But even though some guys did it a lot different, there was always a Snyder thread in everything that you guys did, whether it was you or the Stoops brothers or Mark Mangino or Jim Levitt on and on. It it still kind of had a lot of Snyder things to it. All of us. Yeah. All of us learned so much from him, but um, you know, the thing that was coolest about him is how he handled every coach. Okay, because he had some dynamic coaches on his staff as far as personalities go and some guys that all like to do things differently. And I don't remember coach ever. I don't ever remember him raising his voice at any coach his whole time at Kansas State. I never remember him huh. hollering at a coach or he handled he, he had a great skill set of being able to handle every coach fair but differently you know what i mean and he kind of knew you know he knew the quirks that dana Dimmel might have he knew the quirks that another coach might have he knew we all had our strengths and he all we all had our weaknesses and he tried to you know not dwell on the weaknesses and try to make the most out of the strengths and uh he always saw the best in all of his coaches and that was a that's a really strong tendency as a leader make people around you better over the 20 plus years you've been a head coach you've gone from the young guy where people were wondered if you were too young and now everything's switched in coaching. You get hired in your fifties and people go, well, that's pretty old. I'm like, what's through you? <laughs> it is. You're right. It's funny. It's so much different. Yeah. When I was 34, I was, you know, Rick Neuheisel and I played yeah. against each other at Colorado and we were the two youngest coaches in college football. And, you know, everybody wanted to make a big deal about why are these young, such young guys head coaches. And now, at 57, you looked up. You looked at it as an old guy. You know, the age of 57 years old. So it's funny how it just has has how it's transcended for for everybody in the business. Although I got to say, um, I went to find a photo of you to use on the front page of the site, and uh, you with the reading glasses on your forehead on the sideline <laughs> doesn't help the image at all. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. My ego is nowhere near as important as it is being able to see the script, right? I mean, it's a lot more important to see the script than it is to look at it. It was awesome. I'm like, oh, that poor old guy's gone blind. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, of course, beat up with the bad knees and everything. You oh, know? man. So, yeah. I'm way more worried about seeing the place. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I just cracked up. I go, well, he I just, like it. Though. It's fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. It makes you look uh, scholarly. It's good. Scholarly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A little silver in the hair. A little reading glasses. Wise yeah, I, I, Dana Dimmel. Yeah. Where's the uh, yellow Oakleys that I had at Wyoming? Right. <laughs> Remember all the yellow Oakleys and all black? I would wear on the sidelines. Now I'm wearing readers on the sidelines. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, life is a journey, isn't it? Good <laughs> stuff. Fun stuff. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dana, how are things going in El Paso? It's so, you know, there's so many challenges that go into being a head coach, but it's been so fun down here just um, trying to really be a good person that leads a football team. I just don't think there's enough really good people in the business anymore, Fitz. You know what I mean? That yeah. just treat kids the way they're supposed to be treated and, you know what I mean, be fair and positive to the kids all the time. So the experiences I had at K-State and Wyoming and Houston and Arizona turning programs around have been really valuable for me down here because it's not easy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's not easy at all, but it's that's why they hired me because it was a perfect fit for what they needed. And the AD here is great, you know, so he's giving, you know, he said, you're going to get five years to get this done because that's how long it's going to take. And so been there, done it. And it's kind of fun doing it again, but it's definitely a challenge, but it's it's rewarding in a lot of ways, too. So it's been a good ride. You're clearly still on the uphill battle of it after a couple one-win seasons. It just takes time to get the momentum going, doesn't it, and get the right players and get the belief settled into the locker room. Are you beginning yeah. to see the top of the hill where maybe you can, you can get yeah. going with a little more yeah. momentum? It's the belief. You just nailed it with one word. It's a belief in your players that they just – you know, always the one of our biggest goals at K-State was expect to win, right? You know, that was one of the top goals. And yep. when your players finally do step on the field and expect to win, you've turned the tide. But there's so much that goes into that. And belief is a really critical word that you use. So that's really what I'm working on trying to get. They just need a couple, you know, big wins, yeah. a couple co- confident wins, and, uh, and we can get it done. Because we all know the fine line between um, – talent is it's a fine line with talent that you have it's more about the culture that you present with your kids and and uh, we've always had such great kids at k-state that just were tougher than the you know we'd play texas and they'd line up and say you know what we know we got better athletes we know our guys run faster bigger you know we've had great athletes but for the most part overall bigger faster stronger at texas but we'd find ways to beat texas and oklahoma because our kids were tougher more accountable they were smarter uh, they were talented, too, but don't get me wrong. But there were those other things, and that's how you change a coach. So I've done that. You know what I mean? I've tried to put get those kind of kids built in, but it's going to take belief before anything. Get a couple good wins, and then they start saying, hey, we can win, you know? And that's yeah. what's such a challenge of being a head coach is getting those kids to believe that, you know? So. And you're stepping into the Big 12 a little bit this year, aren't you? Yeah, um, twice. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. You, uh, you've got – am I reading that right? you got Tech coming in? That tech coming in for our home opener, which will be great. Nice. Uh, that's a good setting for us. That'll be fun. And then we got uh, 
uh, UT in, in Austin week three. So that'll be that'll be another trip. I've gone to Austin many times. With, I've got I took Houston teams there a couple times, I think, and then also so many times at K State. So it'll be fun to take another team in there. Dana, you know, the pandemic has brought up some interesting things here. Conferences are so spread out. Conference USA is a bear. I mean, you're out west, you know, far west for the, the conference, and everyone else is pushing east of you. It's just so much travel. It doesn't make sense. You know, the big talk here for us is to try to get back into the Mountain West. Yeah. You know, at UTEP to get us back into the conference that, you know, we were originally in the WAC and then getting us back in the Mountain West. Just And it's because of proximity, you know, with right. recruiting. That's a big thing. It just helps a lot with the recruiting part of it. The Conference USA has been a fun fun ride. It's a talented talent. I feel like we're ta- very talented football teams. We played a Mountain West team last year, and I felt like – they would have probably been a fifth or sixth, probably the sixth or seventh best team we played last year in our conference. You know what I mean? And they yeah. were a middle of the road Mountain West team. So we're we got some good football teams in this league. It's there's a lot of talent. So it's been it's been fun. You know, you, you gotta have to you gotta have a good team to win at this at the, in this league. That's for sure. One of the things I, I think might come out of this. Uh, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more universities dropping sports. I, I just saw App State. Acts three sports, which is so unfortunate, but the financial realities are beginning to really come home. And, and plus it gives, honestly, it gives AD some cover. We needed to lean out the budget before this virus hit. And now it's pretty apparent we have to, and we're going to do it because of this. And it gives them a little bit to hide behind, but it just seems yeah. to me that we need to get back to some common sense and scheduling. And, and that would include a program like you, not yep. going into the Eastern time zone unless it's to play, you know, one of those non-conference games. It just seems silly uh, when you have so many universities between Texas and the other Mountain West type schools that you should and could be playing at a, you know, more reasonable cost and make recruiting easier and all that. I think yep. I think ADs are really going to look at this, particularly with non-football or maybe non-basketball and say, what are we doing here? Why are we traveling all over the place for these sports instead of just playing more locally? I agree 100%. There's so much talk about that amongst the other sports of doing that. And then, you know, what's interesting is when you take over a program here, we don't have control over our schedule. So many things are scheduled out for such a long period of time. And Jim Center and myself are, you know, definitely – unilateral on what we want to have schedule wise here you know some of these things were set and we couldn't get out of it you know and uh we won't have complete control over the schedule until like 2024 and that'll be after six of six or seven years of us being here you know it's kind of it's kind of crazy um how that works itself out but for us you know uh it makes sense we we put we're going to play texas every other year now moving forward after 2024 we're going to play oklahoma on the years that we don't play texas you know those are the games that when a school like utep goes into a home that those kids want to hear about playing texas and playing oklahoma you know what i mean they want to hear about that that's a huge recruiting tool like you said and it makes sense because it's 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 local and there's local recognition. Texas kids know all about those two universities for sure. So we're trying to be a lot more smart about what we're doing with our with our non-conference. And our big picture plan was really to go one power five every year 
you know, play one Mountain West, play New Mexico State every year, our arch rival, and then play one one double A. But now with the new constraints that are on things financially, we're probably going to switch now to playing two power fives a year just because um, it brings in, you know, like the Texas game, we're getting $1.4 million to play that, you know. That's crazy. So, I know. So if you get that twice, Texas obviously was a home. Texas Tech was a home and home. So there's no money changing. There's slight amount of money changing hands, but it's equally distributed from year one to year two. So for us, it's best to go go play a Texas, go play in Oklahoma, play two of those a year, you know, bring three million dollars into our budget with those or close to three million. And then that really helps pay for a lot of a lot of bills. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at as our prime prime for our schedule. So is the Sun Bowl owned by the city or does UTEP own that? UTEP owns. Oh, cool. Uh, What's it like playing in? something that is so historic i mean the sun bowl as a game as you know we what we know it as for outsiders it's it's diminished but it was a very big deal when we were much younger and uh, it's got to be cool to be playing in that stadium on a regular basis yeah because when we were growing up it was one of the only games there was you know so our whole holiday season one of the memories you had was the sun bowl and and um you know the guys that announced the sun bowl and hearing their voices and and looking at the mountain, the, the stadium tucked in between the mountains, and and all that, and it, it it's a really really cool place. We just renovated it. We just uh, redid. We're putting in some sky boxes and some loge boxes and things like that. We're doing some good renovations to it. So, uh, you know, we got a plan to put all these things in place. We've done the the loge part of it so far, and it's really it's 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 just a fun, neat stadium to plan that are that the whole city the neat thing about utep is even though it's a el paso is a huge city which people don't even have any idea how big of a city it is you know it's got the largest populated zip code in america uh it within it so that kind of tells you it's a wow. million plus people uh, of a city uh in a great city uh in itself but there's only one game in town you know there's no professional uh, major professional sports teams. There's the local uh, AAA baseball and then the soccer, which are both really, really good and in a beautiful venue here. But we're the only game in town, so everybody in the city of a million people cares about UTEP and wants to ha- see UTEP have success. And it's really that makes it nice for the players and the coaches how much passion there is in the city for the for the sports programs at UTEP. Man, that'll be fun when you get it rolling. It will be. Yeah, yeah, it will be a lot of fun. And the hard work, you know, the hard work will be the grinding time will pay off, you know, just like what we yeah. did there and other places. You put in all the hard work and then you turn the corner and then your fans just have a little more pride in what they do, kind of, you know, exactly like what happened at K-State, how everybody has that pride because they've been on the other side where they didn't have good programs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's changed quite a bit. I think, uh, you know, so many fans now have grown up with the success. They They don't. It's like you're talking yeah. about the moon when you describe how bad it was before. <laughs> well, let's talk about your let's talk about your record, okay? Let's talk about your record, Fitz, mm-hmm. as a uh, journalist and and media participant. Uh, your first let's talk about your your first year at K State when you worked for the school mm-hmm. newspaper was that eighty four? Yeah, you know, uh, I remember sitting in the stands in eighty two. I remember, uh, you know, of course, that was the bowl year. I didn't go to that. I 
I regret that now that I have this for a career, but I opted not to ride a school bus to Shreveport and watch a game in the rain. I feel like it was a solid decision, particularly since they lost. But in some ways, I wish historically I had the context of going to that game. But, yeah, I think no, yeah. I, I think I started covering uh, as a sports writer in 84, 85, that's right, 86. That's right, that's right. Yeah, that's right. 86 might even be right. It kind of seems like as I'm remembering. I, but um, so whatever your first year was, let's go ahead and look at your – let's say you started in 85, okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So your record, your, your record, your first five years as a journalist and – uh, media uh, participant would have been one and ten, two and nine, oh ten and one, oh and eleven, mm-hmm. one and ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm not reading those anywhere. I'm just naming them off because I was right there, a part of those. So put those on paper and see what your record was. Your oh first my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and right. you know the a topic that has strangely popped up as of late was the I think it's 1987 lost Austin P. When yeah. they ran the same play at the end of the game, it was like I think the defense was offside, so they got to run the play again and scored a touchdown before the Willie Nelson concert. That then got rained out. And, and, and for, for me, that was the epitome of K-State football. The, right. They lost to a team, Austin P that ended up winning two games that entire season because I think their quarterback uh, got hurt the next week. And yeah. uh, Oford as a team – but they had someone beat, and then they were off sides, and they threw a touchdown and lost. Yeah. But the greatest part of the story, and this is one of those things that really epitomizes how bad K-State football was and, and puts into context how humiliating it was to be a fan. Because for whatever reason, I was in the stands that day. I'd come back as an alumni. I was in the, the student section to watch this go down. I don't know why why I did that to myself. But uh, maybe I was a Willie Nelson fan. didn't know it. But the, the players started celebrating on the old Wildcat head at midfield. And yep. here came these young assistant coaches, and we're thinking, good, they're going to get the players off the field and handle this with a little more grace. And then the assistant coaches start dancing on the Wildcat. And pretty soon, yeah. one of the players is down rubbing his butt on the uh, Wildcat. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's just, this is – and you're just sitting there like, ah, oh, this, this is not good. This is this really is bad. Good. This is bad. Yeah. But that was K-State football before Bill arrived. Yeah. And uh, in 1989, that one win for the fan base was amazing. And the way it took place. And, yeah. and the way it took place kind of helped build, even though the wins didn't come that season, it built a sense of, yeah, we know how to win. We can win on the last play of a game and get it done. Um, I sometimes pause. I know Bill would have been successful. Coach would have gotten it done. But I sometimes pause and wonder if that had been an incomplete pass, would the process have been longer? Um, because yeah. I felt like that was a big buy-in moment for the locker room. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Every Everybody's, you know, tenure or career is measured by that one win that might have, you know, changed the whole landscape of your football program. And you see it, and coaches know that. You know how important every player, every Playing a game can change the whole landscape of what you're doing uh, within a season. So many guys' careers have been put on that. Yeah, so who knows? It might have, you know, might have taken longer and might have set us back, you know, even 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 longer than the, uh, you know, what it did take us. You know, I just remember some of those early years, how hard we worked, and I was 27 years old and sitting in John Latina's minivan before practices and. Uh, 
you know, I think I told this story, you know, on Bob Stoops' autobiography that uh, Will Joukowsky was putting that together, and he called me and wanted some quotes. And one of the things I talked about was this story about how, uh, you know, sitting in Latina's van, I'm 27 years old, and we had worked so many hours and put in so much time and effort that I could barely muster up the energy to get to the practice field. We'd have to sit there for about 15 minutes and just pep talk ourselves into getting the juice <laughs> to go out and coach for, you know, three hours at practice. And, and, and that, you know, those were the early years, 89, 90, when you're trying to oh. get the thing turned around. And I mean, it took everything you had as a 27 year old to be able to get that, to get the juice together. So yeah, uh, crazy to, to think about where it came from and what it, to me, it all kind of happened in, in uh, Tucson when we beat, uh, Wyoming and the Copper Bowl, yeah. that's kind of what the whole program, that, to me, that was the changing. That was the, you know, there was all the excerpts that led up to it, but the 93 game when we beat them and we beat them in such sound fashion. I wish we could bring that up. I don't know if anybody has access to that on YouTube. or be, I'd love to watch that game again, but the lead-up to that game, Fitz, was probably one of the coolest lead-ups that ESPN had ever done. I don't know if you remember. The Old West one? Yeah, the old West one in Tombstone where the guys were, you know, there was like four of our K-State players and four of um, Wyoming's players, and they had a, sh- uh, uh, a showdown and at the OK Corral, and it showed them walking down, you know, getting ready to get in a gunfight, and they all raised their guns, and they said, get ready for an old-fashioned Western shootout. And then we ended up scoring 50-some points on those. To me, that was really the turning point of the whole program because we never looked back from no. you know we never looked back from that season you know, and kept I, getting better kept getting better and better every year I talked to Jamie about um what a remarkable moment that was to realize that half the fan base or more had traveled to Tucson for that game and there yeah. were so many people there it felt like the whole bowl experience not just the game that culminated in the game but the the whole experience was therapeutic for the fan base you know, yeah. it was like, this is real. This is a bowl game. Uh, it's not the one bowl game that K-State had gone to in 82 that I skipped out on. This is uh, a good team, a really good K-State team, and let's see what happens here. To win that first bowl game in school history, which just always stuns people when I say that, that the 93 Copper Bowl was the first bowl victory in Kansas State history. It, it was really special. It really was. And unfortunately, I think it put things in perspective the next year when you went to Hawaii, didn't have the fans, and really didn't kind of play with the same enthusiasm as, although Boston College that year was pretty darn good, um, yeah. that we had seen in that game and then future games, including holiday bowls and other bowls that the fans could get to. So those are, those are fun times. They were amazing to watch. As I always told people, you are in – the presence of the program really being born. You're there when Bear Bryant's there. You're there when Joe Pa just arrived. You're there when Bobby Bowden arrived or Devaney or Wilkinson. However you want to look at it, you're living in that formative moment when the program establishes who it's going to be for many years to come, and that's what Bill Snyder was at Kansas State. Yeah. Good stuff, you know. And it, that was what bowl games were supposed to be like. That '93 yeah. bowl game was what—that's what—that's why you have bowl games. And we set our mark and our precedence as a, as a fan base that, uh, hey, this is how we're going to travel. And then we traveled like that, 
continuously and have continued to travel like that. Um, like you said, we didn't get to, and it was great learning for me because I'm a younger coach and, you know, we'd go kick somebody's butt in the Copper Bowl and then we go to Hawaii and had an unbelievable time in Hawaii. You know, great, great bowl. What a wonderful place to play a bowl game. I kind of want to do that again in my career yeah. if I can because that was so much fun staying on Waikiki Beach. And, and um, but we played poorly, you know, and then you go after the game and it's just like a hollow feeling, even though you have a great season. I think we were 9 2 and 1 that year. And, and uh, or, yeah, I think we were 9 2 and 1, then 9 3 and 1 after the season. But crazy, the, uh, different feeling you have when you lose a bowl game and win a bowl game. And then 1995 when we beat uh, Colorado state, you know, and just, again, just Brian Kavanaugh's game, mm -hmm. just an incredible performance that he had. I was sitting with the coach the other day and they brought up Nate Kwame's name. And it's like Nate Kwame, like I remember him, he played for Colorado state in 95 and he's the one that put the hard hit on Matt Miller and Matt had to come out of the game and Kavanaugh came in and MVP of the, of the uh, holiday bowl and another great victory for us, you know, that kind of let our, you know, kind of got things really then from after 95, we took it to the next step. You know, we had a 10 win season in 96 and just kept building from there. So those are some of the bowl games and, you know, really the building block of Kansas State football. Yeah, it was amazing to watch the program grow. And I got to be honest, Coach, it was really fun last year. Uh, it was strange for me um, uh -huh. because, uh, you know, I'd covered Coach almost the right. entire time. I had three years of uh, that other guy that were miserable um, in every way. It was just a horrible experience. You get back to being good, being a good person as a coach and and uh, that was just hor awful to see the program in the hands of someone like that. And now right. you, you, you get someone like Chris Kleiman and the coaches he brought in. They go about it in many different ways than Coach did. And yet all the foundation things are there, the family, the team, the, um, but they uh, are much more open. It's been good for me. You know, it's all about me, of course. Sure. Uh, and media opportunities. We get to talk to assistant coaches. And that's what I was just – I was telling Jamie yeah. this. I said it was – Snyder 1.0, everyone talked about how strict he was, but we could talk to you guys. We did yeah. have – I did have relationships with you and yeah. Bob Stoops and Brent Venables and Ron Hudson and Greg Peterson, and I'd just go on and on. Mark Mangino, you would come in on media days on Tuesdays, and we'd sit down at the table and talk, and we'd build relationships and – and uh You'd kind of get to know each other, not just X's and O's wise, but in other ways. And then that goes away for 10 years. You and I were friends that predated Bill Snyder at Kansas State. And yet for that last stretch of time, that Snyder 2.0, we were almost cautious about talking. You know, it was like yeah. uh, we don't want coach to think you're yeah. you're my source or something. And uh -huh. so uh, we would talk once in a while, but uh, it was just kind of. It sucked. I'll be honest. It sucked. It, it, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to your friends just because uh, someone's yeah. so locked down with information. But Coach Kleiman is very open. These coaches remind me a lot of the first group of K-State coaches. You know, they're getting after it. There's some veterans. There's some young guys. And it's it's fun. It's a dynamic. And, and the fan base is stirred back to life somewhat. It's, it's sure. really enjoyable to be around. Yeah, well, that's good. And, you know, you know as obviously as an alumni and and uh, the guy that put a lot of time and effort into into that program, I only want to see it have success and do well. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the big thing for me. And and uh, it's fun because I'm 
in another challenge in my life, you know what I mean? Right. And it's a great challenge. And so I can sit from afar and watch and, and, uh, you know, want my alma mater to do well, you know, that's the big thing for me. You want them to do well. And Julie and I miss Manhattan. You know, we love El Paso and we don't want to be anywhere else, but El Paso. We love El Paso to death, but Manhattan's a great town. You know what I mean? It it's is. a wonderful place to live. A lot of, we have so many great friends and great memories. We had a beautiful house there that we lived on, on the lake for a long time. And, and our Newfoundlands enjoyed running around and creating havoc back in the backyard there and had a blast with it. And so a lot of great friends that we have there. So we don't wish anything but the best for all the K-Staters and how much they love what they do, you know, they love their football and, and uh, love the success that they, that they have from their football and the identity that it brings to our whole university nationally. And, the identity that Bill Snyder yeah. has brought to our program nationally is something to be, you know, for everybody to be really proud of. So it's cool stuff, you know, and many things I've learned that have gone on to help me with what I'm doing here. So it's always, it's always great stuff. And you've done such a good job there, Fitz, of being the, the face of, of Kansas State football and the outreach to Kansas State fans and bringing the football program out to a whole different level. You know, yeah, so it's been, thank you. you've had a pretty cool ride there, a long ride and done some really neat things. It's been fun. Again, I feel like the, the phrase long ride is code for old. Well, uh, it's been 35 years. I mean, unless you started when you were 12, you're probably old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I've been, I, I, I've got a bad knee from volleyball, very manly. Um, and, uh, uh, now my back's giving me problems. I'm like, what the hell? Come on, man. Really? I mean, I mean the cancer's one thing, but can I not walk around like I'm hunched over like I'm 75? I'm only 55, for God's sakes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's no. not good. Not starts to, to fail you at times. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Well, brother, it's great talking to you. Hug Julie. Yeah. Tell her I love her. Um, yeah, well, and she's sitting right here. So it's all right. I'm surprised she's been quiet. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted to chip in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> she's been listening. She has our chihuahuas on her lap. We have two chihuahuas now. And she, well. She's rocking the chihuahuas. Nice. Keep fighting the fight. Oh, you know I will. You know yeah, I will. Right. I got no other choice. You can uh, right. sit down or stand up. And uh, you know me, I'm Irish. I'm going to stand up. So, yeah. Okay, Demos, take care of yourselves. Love you guys. And uh, go win a bunch of football games this year. Yeah, okay, pal. Okay, talk to you later. Dana and Julie are really good people, and Becky and I have a lot in common with them. I hope someday to make it down to El Paso to watch his minors win a football game. The two of them have also been so supportive in my fight against prostate cancer. But after I hung up, I realized I should have had made sure that Dana, like any of you men over 45, was getting his PSA scored on a regular basis. I'm betting Julie makes sure that happens. But I better shoot him a text just in case. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!